Hi, my name's Ben Smith. Over the course of my adult life, I've become obsessed with the industry of interactive entertainment. Video games. The video game industry has ballooned to massive proportions, bringing with it all the controversy and criticism any entertainment sector has. So come and join me and some of my friends as we explore and examine some of the strange and wonderful stories surrounding this sector. Sometimes we'll look at a specific game franchise, other weeks on a more broader theme, but always discussing my favourite hobby. Welcome to Extra Life. May the 4th be with you. Episode 4, that is, as this week we'll be talking to our very special guest, Rich Howell, all things Star Wars in the video game community. We'll be talking about our very earliest memories playing Star Wars video games, what the future of Star Wars video games might look like, and why there are so many video games based on one franchise. As ever, we will be looking at this week's news with our special guest and end by seeing if they can top our virtual leaderboard in high score. Join us as we go a long time ago on a console not that far away. And welcome to episode four. And this week I am talking all things Star Wars with a man who needs no introduction, but I'm going to give him one anyway. It is my good friend, Richard Howell. Rich, how are you today, sir? I am acceptable, is the, <laughs> the, the, the word I'll use. <laughs> Acceptable. Excellent. So, Rich, you're talking Star Wars with me today. Tell me, tell uh, all the people at home who you are and uh, why you're here with me today. Well, my name's Richard. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm a human. Uh, live live within this 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 world, same as most. Um, and yeah, I, I am an actor, and I am a, a, a fan of the wars, stars. Stars Wars, that is. Um, and yeah, I, I'm quite excited to have a chat about all things saga and non-saga, shall we say. Oh, there's going to be some controversy. I can, I can already tell. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, Rich, what we like to do here on Extra Life is we like to start our, uh, our episodes off with a little bit of a look into the gaming world this week. Uh, so I've got a couple of news stories and we're going to kind of have a look at those and see what's going on. Uh, okay. So the, the first news story that I've got today concerns EA Play. Um, so this was an event that happened this week where EA um, pretended to show off a load of games but actually showed nothing. Uh, of the things that was <laughs> announced, uh, we got an extended look at Star Wars Squadrons, quite fittingly. Um, <laughs> And uh, we got a look at what they're doing next for Apex Legends. Um, spoiler alert, it's exactly the same as they've been doing for the past five years. Um, That's not like EA, no, come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also, right at the end, um, we got a little kind of teaser of uh, Skate. Um, so let's <laughs> delve into this one then. Yeah, honestly, this is what happened. I, I can't believe it either. Um, so yeah, let's delve into this one. Uh, so first up, uh, let's talk about the only thing that's worth talking about, uh, Star Wars Squadrons. Um, wh how are you feeling about this new this new game from EM? Uh, I think as with 
<laughs> as we've learned over the years, <laughs> EA, they play a very good um, advertising game. And they show you all the lovely and all, all the shiny and all the impressive and all the gameplay. Um, and I think that's my main concern because I think as we'll sort of get into a bit later on, they, they, they promise a lot and it looks delightful. But will it be any good? And it's it's always the way with, with that sort of franchise and, and with a lot of EA games. Until you live with it, you don't know what you're getting. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it was actually really funny that you say that because there was a game that they announced. I can't remember what it was called because it was so it was so forgettable. Um, <laughs> but um, so they said, "Oh, here's here's our first look at gameplay." And what proceeded was a five minutes trailer of lovely cutscenes, but no uh, gameplay. <laughs> oh no, no, no! Don't 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 show the clunkiness. Don't show the bits where we will be immediately frustrated. Um, I don't know. <laughs> They've let me down over the years, let's put it that way. So, Yeah, I mean, it was just such a weird kind of conference because if there's one thing that you can kind of rely on EA to do, it's to have a conference where there's 30 minutes of sports stuff and then mm -hmm. like five minutes of normal games. But they didn't even do that this year. It was just kind of like, oh, yeah, so FIFA 21 and Madden, that's a thing. Uh, anyway, um, let's move on quickly because those games obviously aren't ready yet. Um, so uh, let's let's go and show you something else. Um, and um, I think the thing that made me most angry, um, most angry ever, uh, is I all the, all the way through. So, so they start off the conference and they say, oh, here's our look at what's coming up in the next year. And also a hint um, as to what we're doing with some older titles. So I go, oh, oh, now it's been rumored for the past couple of weeks that Mass Effect is getting a remaster on the Xbox One and, and the PS4. Ooh, interesting. And then, like later on, they go, "Yeah, we're going to have a look at some new, some 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 new uh, remasters that we might be doing uh, for games." And I go, "Ooh, oh, they're doing the thing. This is exciting, fantastic. Four frames, four pictures from Bioware, and none of them were of Mass Effect. What? <laughs> <laughs> Literally, it goes, oh, uh, Bioware's doing a thing. Anyway, um, on to uh, <laughs> it's like." Yeah. <laughs> Great. Um, and then, yeah, at the end, Skate is coming back, apparently. Have you any thoughts on Skate as a franchise? Yeah. Um, not good. I mean, let's face it, that you only need, and we've only ever needed, one Skate-based game franchise. And everyone knows that that's been the Tony Hawk's. And, and also, to be honest, after sort of like Tony Hawk 4, they kind of went a little bit down anyway because they started to mess around with, with the game format and whatnot. And there was that downhill game that was on the, the Nintendo Wii, lest we forget. Um, like the, the pinnacle of skateboarding games was Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. We can all accept that, which is why they're throwing a shitload of money at that to, to revamp it, to, to remaster it, to redo all the... the, the, the um, the graphics for it and remodel all the skaters but essentially we're getting the same game back just through a new game engine which is going to make it even better with the original soundtrack expanded now that's what you do when you refresh a franchise because everyone loved that game but it looks like you're playing with stick men now by today's standards so that's going to be the one that everyone's going to buy 
those who claim they prefer skate over Tony Hawk's, it's the Pro Evo versus FIFA crowd, isn't it? And it's kind of like, oh, it's just as good. No, it's not. It's worse. <laughs> what, what you mean is worse. Um, so, yeah, it's that to me is a massive waste of time. I, yeah, I agree. Um, skate is a pouring simulator. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. It's, it's funny for about five minutes when you realize, oh, while my skater's falling, I can control him in midair and he can hurt himself and he can crack his nards off the railing and stuff. And it's funny for five minutes. And then you realize, oh God, these controls are, these controls are awful. These controls are horrible. I, I, I hate it. Um, yeah, it's it's appalling. Um, there's 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 no reason for it, and that's that's the other thing. I mean, the, the, the big thing with EA for me is that there aren't there aren't many games that they own that I actually really have followed franchises with because there's always been some frustration, um, even to the point with with FIFA because the the only updates they do is make some of the controls a bit more tedious, so that the games don't seem to get better they get more intricate in places but then actually that makes them harder to play and although that should then make you want to master them but for a more casual gamer you know those of us who have these crazy things called jobs um, and we don't get to devote our entire lives to sitting on our asses playing games you want to plug something in and you want an element of success fairly quickly. You don't want to devote six months of your life on how to drag a ball around a defender and pop it in the top corner. When the old method just hitting one button, it would go in. That was fine. <laughs> this is our like I, I I like with football games especially. I really really agree with that. Like I don't want to be able. I I don't want to have to read a t like a, a book on how to do this perfectly so i can then be like good I'm, i've been playing a lot of rocket league recently um which is a really fun game online and stuff uh but what you get is you get like the your normal kind of fair who are like you know you and me who are kind of casual gamers and just uh doing it for fun and stuff like that um and then you get the people who have obviously spent every minute of every single day for six months learning how to do perfect tricks and stuff like that and 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 you play with them and it's like well this isn't fun anymore <laughs> because i can't do what you do because yeah. i've been busy earning money yeah um, and and breathing and socializing and i mean obviously none of this applies right now like right now we've got no excuse but <laughs> <laughs> when when the real world exists now i think that's that's always the thing and that it is that eventually you adapt eventually you kind of i think it's just not even get better i think you just give in to it like if because i used to like the madden games as well like the, the, i used to love playing the, the nfl games um and even that like between each season they'd switch something in the control pattern that would just like you couldn't even do a hot route quickly which you were used to doing for many many years or you couldn't just quickly operate a blitz because no no there's, a, there's an extra function somewhere in a menu that i haven't done and i've got to hold that for an extra three seconds instead of two um they, they like to mess with you yeah and I, I don't think that necessarily builds um a loyalty of, of a fan base i think a lot of people who play ea games play them but begrudge them yeah i this is how i feel um i that I, I i am praying for the day 
uh, and I, I hope it's coming soon, that Bioware basically says, fuck you, um, <laughs> and makes their own independent studio and just is able to do their games the way that they want. Because if I'm being honest, I understand that the, the EA's got the Star Wars license and they've got they've got the FIFA license and stuff like that. But there's 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 there's, there's better alternatives to football games. And with the Star Wars games, if if you go back, we, we'll talk about this anyway. But like, um, if you go back, there's some real gems that uh, that you can find um, in the early days of those games. But it annoys me that franchises like Dragon Age and like Mass Effect have to go through EA and have to go through their quality control. That's really they're they're the only franchises that I care about. That's under EA's umbrella. I don't really care about Battlefield. Um, you know, I, I I don't really care about what Dice is doing. I don't. I definitely don't care about Skate. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it, it, I'm 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 hoping that soon we're gonna find that people have, have kind of had enough of their shit. Oh, hold on though. There's gonna be a new Sims. Don't forget. Right, this was the most frustrating <laughs> thing on the whole, right. So they, they say, oh, we're going to go to our community creator who does The Sims, and then they go there. Right, I, I'm not shitting you. They spend three minutes, obviously the world's in a pretty dark place at the moment with the whole Black Lives Matter thing and, 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 and COVID and everything that's going on at the moment. It's a pretty shitty place to live at the moment. Um, so, but then what they what they attempt to do then is they attempt to like they make The Sims into this transformative, transcendent game that is like that hails like diversity and and, and creates people of of, of and, and so they do all these interviews with people and say, well, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for The Sims because The Sims taught me how to be a decent person. And it's a fucking game about creating a, a fake person and trapping them in a box and killing them. That's, that's well, see, what The Sims is. This is it. The, the, the Sims is useful for, as we know, if nothing else, is to have a lovely house with a monkey butler and you build a murder annex on the side. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we, we all know you need one room that's that's got three roaring fireplaces full of antique furniture and one door, which you can choose to block when it pisses you off. So this is what The Sims is useful for. When they can fix it to the point where my character doesn't wet himself without me telling him to get to the loo, or actually listens to his alarm clock and gets up for bloody work and doesn't get fired, then I might start being interested. Yeah, exactly. And so then, well, so then we were like, oh, okay, well, that was a bit weird, but surely because they've gone to The Sims now, they're going to announce The Sims 5 because it's time. It's time for The Sims 5 now. Nope, that was literally it for The Sims. No updates, no expansions, just look at how nice The Sims is. That, that was literally it. And, oh, God. Fuck EA. Literally, <laughs> fuck EA. <laughs> but, you know, the, graf the graphics on the murder annex might be nice this time. <laughs> I feel like I need to put a trigger warning on this part of the episode. <laughs> as soon as anybody hears the word EA, <laughs> start blinking right, um, irrationally. Um, anyway, moving swiftly on to our next uh, <laughs> news item of the day. Uh, and this one's a much happier one because this is the announcement that Crash Bandicoot 4 is a thing. Uh, and it is going to be a thing this year. Uh, so Crash Bandicoot 4, It's About Time, has been officially announced uh, by uh, developer Toys for Bob. Uh, and it's going to be coming out in October for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. And it's uh, 
canonically and chronologically takes place after the third game and is going to focus on uh, some time um, things. So uh, apparently you've got to collect quantum masks and when you collect these quantum masks, uh, it makes you do different things like, you know, you can slow down time and you can do gravity and stuff like that. Uh, it looks do very gravity. good. <laughs> you can do gravity. Um, I saw the gameplay uh, yesterday. Looks very good. Um, I'm very excited. I am a massive Crash Bandicoot fan. That that is the, those games were literally my my childhood when they came out in the 90s. Uh, so I'm very excited about a fourth instalment. Have you got any uh, fond memories of Crash Bandicoot? No. This this is when for me uh, this is where the age gap kicks in, unfortunately, um, because Bandicoot was around. Um, Oh, what was, what was the first Bandicoot game? What year was that? Uh, I think that was about 95. I was going to say mid-90s, wasn't it? Early to mid-90s. Um, so, yeah, at that time, and, and to, to be honest, kind of since then, I've been I've been playing catch-up a little bit in the way that I've owned consoles. So I've always been a bit of a console behind, like from that point onwards. So for me, Crash Bandicoot was one of those games that I only ever played at someone else's house. So I had that kind of joyful experience of being like, oh, this is fun and this is colourful and he's a quirky character and this is a different way to do some kind of platform game and oh, isn't it fun that we're scrolling forwards instead of sidewards and, and then I'd go home. So I never had to live with it and, and when I eventually sort of caught up and, and got myself a first PlayStation, um, it was one of those games that I never bothered buying because of that reason because I could play that at the main house. I don't need to invest the time. Um, so I've never had to sort of live through like the, the storyline and actually get to know it too much, but I know that it's very pretty. <laughs> yes, so <laughs> it's it, it's it's nice. Uh, it doesn't look like a PS One game anymore, which is which is good. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm just I'm excited that we can finally talk about Crash Bandicoot again and it be in the modern day. Um, so uh, yeah, that was that was it was nice. Um, <laughs> I'm excited about the fourth one, um, hopefully. I, I, I am a bit worried, however. So um, when the Insane trilogy came out, uh, which was a remaster of the first three games for Xbox One and PS4, um, they marketed that at £20, which is a fair, reasonable price, I think, for like three remasters of some three, three very old games. Uh, I checked on the, um, on the Microsoft Store, yesterday just because i want to get a bit more information about this um and at the moment the pre-order for crash bandicoot uh, i don't know whether this is just digital only or if this is actually the actual retail price is 55 pounds um 55 pounds for um a fourth game now if that is what it's released as in october then i'm very angry very very angry mm. um I, th I think that the sort of price of release games now is, is, is ludicrous at times, isn't it? Let's face it. Um, there are some where I think you can you can justify the amount. I think there are, there are some of the, the bigger games that we've, we've had recently where, you know, between 50 and sometimes 80 quid, depending on the game. But you know what you're getting and the size of the game and the size of the production. Um, you know, like things like Red Dead Redemption 2, just knowing, knowing very well sort of what went into that. Um, you don't mind paying the money for it and the fact that it's there's so much longevity in the game once you've got it. Whereas like something like a Crash Bandicoot game, I wouldn't expect to pay more than 40 quid for personally, no. 
I don't. I can't see how they justify pushing it up to that much. Exactly. Yeah. No, I'm exactly the same. Yeah. I think it's a per- perfect example in Red Dead Redemption Two. Uh, you know, stuff also like The Witcher. And, yeah. Um, you know, Grand Theft Auto Five, and you know, stuff that you know that you're going to get easily, like fifty to sixty hours, maybe even more out of. That's it. Definitely. I mean, with like Grand Theft Auto, I mean, I, I didn't buy a copy of that new um again because of the the sort of lagging behind a little bit but when i first got a playstation 3 um i went and got a second hand copy for well, like 20 quid or something at the time but here we are seven years later and we're still interacting with that game so even if you had paid release price for that on whichever console you got it on the the value for money and the again the longevity of playing that game is is ludicrous um, so I think when it's competing with that kind of money, I don't know. I can't see how they can justify it. Yeah, I'm, 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 I, I can categorically tell you, as excited as I am for this Crash Bandicoot game, I'm not paying £55 for it because that's <laughs> insane. It's, it's a blast from the past and it's fun and I will play it, but you've got to market it as something like 40 like you said. You can't, you can't yeah. justify getting people's brain £60 for a game from the 90s. It's Which not- is essentially what it will be. I mean, although, like you say, the, the the game engine involved and stuff like that, the graphics were better. But it's the same principle. It's the same game. It's not going to be exponentially groundbreaking. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so our third and final uh, news story today. Uh, it's been a slow week. Um, is the news that, um, and I thought I'd tailor this one to you because I think you'll be uh, interested in this one, um, is that an ultra-rare Star Wars figure has gone on auction for £233,000. So this, £225,000, sorry. Um, So this is the uh, news that uh, a figure... Are, uh, has uh, gone on sale in Dubai uh, for uh, apparently it's, 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 it's an ultra rare figure. Uh, it's gone on sale for two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. It is a figure of Boba Fett. Um, oh, God, firing... yes, I am. Yeah, I've heard uh, about uh, this. It's Boba Fett firing a rocket. Um, uh, apparently, it's ultra rare. Um, now, right. Now. Which, well, annoyingly, which one? This is what I'm just quickly looking up on my uh, my second yeah. thing here. So I, I want to know which one. <laughs> so yeah, apparently, um, yeah, it was um, first introduced in the Star Wars Christmas special, apparently. Uh, and a yes, it, uh, with a it arrived in. Well, it depends which one they're going for. Just looking at this here. Um, where are I? 8th of March. Oh, that might be newer than that then. Yeah, <laughs> see, they never made, and I can be corrected on this by any number of people, but as far as I'm aware, they never actually made a figure of the animated debut Boba Fett until many, many, many years later. So I think what they may have, because um, there were sort of early prototypes, the, the standard Boba Fett figure, which if I wasn't tied to a machine, I'd go and get you one of. Um, it's about one of the only original figures I still have. They made one with a fixed rocket in the back, 
and they made one with this little sort of spring firing mechanism. Mm. Um, there are some very rare versions of it in packing. I think looking at that, it may be some form of prototype that basically is unpainted. Yeah, so this is this is the information that I've got up here as well. So this is um, it's saying that um, it, it, it was never released because the rocket launcher, which works apparently, was deemed a choking hazard. Um, <laughs> which means that there's only a few left in the world, and that's why this is incredibly valuable. Um, would you ever pay two hundred and twenty? Say, say like if we're working on 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 the fact that that, that we we could both afford to drop this kind of money. Um, would you ever pay that kind of money for a figure? No. <laughs> Just simple as that. No. <laughs> the, the, the way, oh, right, okay, I'll, I'll put this in a, in a context that I think um, I think we can all appreciate. And I'm going to go slightly off topic to do so. So I was driving today and had uh, a chance to pop on the motorway for the first time in weeks. Ooh, motorway driving. Um, and uh, came up behind me a very, very impressive McLaren something or other hypercar. And he passed me and I passed him and we sort of did what you do down a motorway for a while, overtaking each other. And I just looked across at this guy thinking, who could it be? Someone famous, someone rich, maybe he's one of those footballers. Uh, didn't recognise him, just an unshaven dude, you know, could be anyone. And I just looked at it and thought, you're driving the equivalent of a house. Now to me, that kind of money, I'd buy the house. I'd clear my mortgage. <laughs> you know? I like the collectibles, very big fan of the FET, but no. Because also, what's what's it achieve? And this is, I've got a few things collectibles that I've kept over the years, and I've had to have this awkward discussion recently with my son, who's nine years old, and for his birthday, which was only a few weeks ago, uh, he wanted Star Wars figures, and of course, brilliant time to ask after they're pretty much non-existent in any shops. So we had to do some scavenging around, and he's, he's got a very random collection now of stuff from all of the saga. Um, but I had to show him some photos of stuff that I've got that he's not allowed to touch. He's just like, this is what I've got. You can't play with these. <laughs> these are just, these are mine. These are daddy's. These are ones that I chose that I would keep. Um, but those are things that I've collected slowly over the years. And I, I don't think I've ever paid more than 15 or 20 quid for one. I've, I've you know, done some real searching to get stuff. You could buy a house for that. <laughs> I can't, yeah, I can't argue with it. Like, I, I think there's so, so many better things. Like, and and and, and you kind of hit the nail on the head when you said, what, what, what kind of purpose does that serve? So, yeah. is that something that you hang on the wall, and then when people come around, you kind of point them to it and say, look how much money I've got. Um, mm. Is like, what's, what's the purpose of yeah. something like that? That's it. It's, it's just to tell people you have. That's it. It's just to tell people, I've got this. Oh, can I see it? Yeah. Can I play with it? No, I can't play with it. No, I've got I've got it. In, no instead, one else has. Instead, what it should be is it should be a plaque on the wall that says, this person has won capitalism. Well done. Um, and then that's it. Or you just put a nice frame on the wall that when people come in, you point to and says, oh, I've framed this. And in the wall is just a handwritten note from yourself that says, I got $225 in the bank. 
know, $225,000, I've got that in the bank. Yeah. And just let people know. Or just have your (laughs) bank statements just framed. When people come in, say, do you want to see that? Because it's just just as fun to not play with. So basically, what we're saying, if the guy who was who was, who was um, bought this figure is listening in right now, fuck you. <laughs> the thing is, though, that. and I don't want to cast aspersions, but it's where's he saying? It's oh, it's happening in Dubai. I mean, he's probably got several cars that cost more than my house. Yeah. And now he's got that, or she. Yeah. Or not, or neither. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. A very PC of you. Well done. I'm doing my best to cover all bases. <laughs> um. So yeah. Um. That is that. that that's our news section done. Um. Not much of a news <laughs> section today. Uh. Not much news coming out. Uh. In the world at the moment. Uh. But it does mean that we can now. Uh. Segue nice and neatly into our big issue of today, which is a long time ago on a console not that far away. The year was 1977, and thousands of people across the world were about to be introduced to one of the most influential and successful film franchises of all time. Indeed, from the first moment the opening crawl appears on the screen, an entertainment juggernaut was born. But it was not just in film that Star Wars would thrive. Over the course of four decades, there have been well over 200 Star Wars video game adaptations made for nearly every console in existence, including the Atari 2600, Calico Vision, and, most recently, mobile phones. But why exactly has this movie franchise, above all else, been so successful in an interactive entertainment capacity? What makes Star Wars lend itself so perfectly to the video game industry? Let's get into... The Big Issue. So, uh, Rich, uh, probably best that we start at the beginning in both of our education uh, for Star Wars. So um, you'll have much more of a, a memory of this, I think, than, than I Be will. Nice. Uh, <laughs> Be nice. Be <laughs> nice. Uh, where, where does your education in the wars begin? Right. Now, this is really going to sort of throw uh, my ancient ass under the bus. Uh, I, I genuinely remember... And I had to look this up because I generally remember going around to a friend's house and playing um, a Star Wars game. And I remember it was Empire Strikes Back based. I remember it being very, very basic. And I remember that because it was on the Atari 2600. <laughs> so <laughs> when I went back and did a little bit of research to see when, uh, apparently that was the first Star Wars yeah. computer game. <laughs> and it was that was 1982. And I remember playing it when I was about five five or six years old, um, which wasn't long after that. Um, and yeah, it was just a simple side-scrolling, uh, essentially a slightly better Space Invaders, uh, but you got to fly around in a snowspeeder and take down at Um And that's about the quality of it. 
so I, I, I genuinely remember that. I've got a vivid memory of sitting at my friend's house. I've been Ashby de la Zouche, very nice. Lived on a farm. They were friends with the Schofields, don't you know? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, so, yeah, I genuinely remember playing that game. Uh, I was shocked at how old it was and the fact that it was the first one. Um, and then it was just sort of dipping in and out of other stuff. And for, for a lot of the the wasteland of my um, my youth, like I say, computers... <laughs> Computers weren't a thing. Um, <laughs> you, you couldn't afford a home computer. Um, so it was then down to um, arcade games. And it was whatever you could get in arcade games. And when we went on holiday, it was, there was always an arcade on the seafront. And one of the best ones in there was really creatively titled Star Wars, the arcade game. Uh, and that was brilliant because it was, <clears throat> if you imagine like the, the the trench run, the Death Star trench run, and the graphics that you have on the actual targeting device of the X-Wings. That is basically the game. You're flying down a trench run, but it was stick graphics. No. So three-dimensional, three <laughs> but it was lines. It was lines. Um, yeah, used to waste many a tenpence in that machine. This is kind of where our, my, my history and your history kind of like merges here. Because my earliest memory of a Star Wars game, I remember watching the films when I was young and like being absolutely hooked uh, since um, uh, since day one. But um, we were on holiday in uh, Salou, which is a uh, popular British holiday resort next to Barcelona. Um, but it's cheaper than Barcelona, so that's where all the Brits go. Um, and we were in uh, like an arcade, an actual full-on arcade back as they used to have them back then uh, with all of the machines and everything and star wars trilogy arcade was in that um it was in there um exactly the same as you've just depicted so you can do the trench run and then you move on to hoth and then yeah. you do you do the oh. flying around the attacks um, oh you're talking an upgraded version thereof is that, oh, this, okay. yeah this one was literally i think the options on it were you had the trench run and I think you may have been able to, and again, experts can correct me, you may have been able to fly against some TIE fighters in some capacity. But it was like it was like playing a game in MS-DOS. <laughs> it was black screen, <laughs> green graphics. That's about all you had. I remember the trilogy game coming out and that actually put some thought into the graphics by that point because technology had come on. But I think those they were probably a good like 13, 14 years apart, those games. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I do remember that because that that changed it. I mean, this the, the original arcade game was just a stand-up console with a big screen in the middle, and you kind of had like a, an X-wing steering wheel <laughs> with like triggers and buttons on. The triggers for the firing and the buttons for the torpedoes. Yeah. But that was it. You used to st stand up and just steer and fire. And hope for the best. Um, but I, I remember the trilogy game coming out because I think, in terms of home consoles, I think there was, there was a couple of things on Nintendo which is something I, I never owned a Nintendo. Um, it was always, again, it was a mate had one of them, so I didn't bother. Um, but yeah, it was the, it was the advance in the arcade games before the rise of the console. Yeah. And I think that was that was the, the turning point. Like once it got to the point where like PlayStation arrived 
um, and people realise that oh, there's there's capacity within these things to do better, uh, and then the, the games evolved from that point very very quickly. But even then, I suppose it was slow at start. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I yeah, I think, and I, I, I just remember, like you said, wasting all of my money into mm. these arcade cabinets, um, and it took me. I mean, it, it took me until I was 25 to find this arcade cabinet again because they'd all just been basically either, you know, people had bought them or they were just sold away. And uh, People in uh, Dubai. Yeah, would be, yeah he's spending £225,000 on it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was at a video game convention a few years ago in Manchester and... Um, uh, so it was this convention about basically where video games have come from and what the next stage for video games is. So right at the mm. end, you had like this VR machine that you could go and test out and like motion tracking and stuff like that. It's all done by the University of Salford. Um, and in the beginning of the, their kind of like, where did we come from in video games? They had the arcade machine and I got to play all of the levels of the arcade machine for free. <laughs> um, and it was brilliant. And I literally spent about an hour just playing this arcade machine just with a massive grin on my face. It was a good one, though. It was a good one. You know, if you think sort of back then of, of what they were using to power these things you know, sort of hot off the heels of like Neo Geo being like the best thing to power an arcade machine in the world. And then like the, the big boys came back and said, actually, no, we've sorted a lot of stuff out now. And Sega and Nintendo started hitting back with full force and like the, the quality of arcade game that you had. Uh, and then consoles arrived and everyone was like, we can probably put that on that. And, yeah, this is better. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is better. So... Yeah, it, it took a very, very sharp turn, I think, of how it all started to transfer across. But yes, yeah, so, because around that time, I think I was still, sort of early 90s, I think I would have still been um, probably Mega Drive around that time, sort of Mega Drive 2, something like that. Uh, again, we, I had a kind of a, a system with a mate by that point that I would buy, I would buy the Sega and he would buy the Nintendo. And then we got to sort of play each other's, but we wouldn't have to bother buying the same ridiculously expensive machines. So That's I went, the Se- yeah, I went the Sega route. He went the, the Nintendo route, uh, and then he got the first PlayStation. So we started to just exist at his house because there was no point going back by that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's really interesting, isn't it? Because I I don't think. Uh, I, mean, I could be wrong on this, but um, I don't. I don't think that you can really like enjoy gaming as a hobby and not say that at some point during your early game like development as as, as a player, you didn't play a Star Wars game at some point. Um, mm. I think. I think. Mo- I think most people I know definitely did, and th- th- this is kind of part of why I wanted to to, uh, to speak about this um, is that Star Wars by far as a movie franchise, has had the most video games made after it, either standalone games which, which follow a different timeline or games which tie into the movies. Um, and it, it's really interesting because I, I, like, Star Wars is literally everywhere in video gaming, um, whereas other franchises such as like Indiana Jones, Star Trek and stuff like that haven't really taken off in that kind of way. Why, why do you think that is for Star Wars? I think it's that thing like I say I think starting that early 
sort of with the arcade machines, you capture an audience like at a very young age. And again, it's like it's all tied into those happy times. I mean, you don't spend time your average week sort of popping to an arcade, but it's something you do on holiday. So it's kind of it enhances the the experience because it's somewhere special, it's something you do, you don't do it very often, you waste all your money there, but you get the entertainment that you genuinely couldn't get back at home. So when you walked into those arcades and <clears throat> you'd have all these generic machines in front of you, face puncher 13, um, kickball 72, um, and then in, in the corner of that arcade was one that actually says fucking Star Wars on it. It's like, oh, that's legit. And it would just have a queue waiting. You could go on Afterburner beside it, which was like a, as close to a, a, a F-16 Tomcat fighter sim that you could get and the cabin moved and everything. And it was brilliant. No one ever got past the third level because it was too <laughs> fucking hard. But you had a wonderful time being tilted around in it. But as soon as you were <laughs> off that, you were queuing for Star Wars again. Yeah. And it just it had that drawing. It, it came at the right time. So when it made that crossover to consoles, naturally the titles appear and people grab for them. And I think because of that, there's, there's something, I'll, I'll piss off a few fellow nerds here. I think there's something more involving and something more about the fantasy involved in Star Wars than any of the other big sci-fi franchises. I mean, you can get a quirky coat and a funny scarf and claim that you like Doctor Who. Okay? You can put some pointy ears on or a nice pin badge and a red and black striped shirt and you can claim you like Star Trek. Okay, these are things that exist. But there's, there's something about the, the expanse of the, the, the galaxy and the extended galaxy that happened there about it that people genuinely throw themselves into for escapism. Yeah, I think... Um, I, I mean, it, it, if you're really going back and we're, and, and we're talking about why the movies appealed so much in that kind of um, time that they came out, it, 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 it's, it's all to do, I, I believe anyway, it's all to do with the narrative that those movies drive. I mean, it is, it's a Shakespearean epic, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the story of Star Wars. It, you know, this, this, this small farm boy gets dragged into this, you know, this, this um, interstellar war between uh, the the evil guy who turns out to be his father. Um, well, and, spoilers, spoilers. Uh, sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Jesus. Put a spoiler warning on that. Oh, that's, that's really, you're going to get some angry people in the uh, comments now. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. Um, yeah, he turns out to be his father, and you know, who then and 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 the damsel in distress, who actually turns out to be more of a femme fatale than somebody who really needs rescuing and saving mm. and then of course you've got you know the best friend who's cool as fuck and uh, and, and 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 drives spaceships around for fun yeah it, 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 it is it is exactly sort of like if that there's a few subtle twists in there but it is exactly what you expect from a fairy tale fantasy film except they wanged it in space so that we didn't have to think about the, the the historical context of it. We didn't have to think that it happened within our existence. We didn't have to think of it in a time period. It's just like, oh, this happened a long long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So you can't comprehend that bit. Now, now you accept that this is going on. 
and it's all fantasy. In fact, shouldn't really be referred to as sci-fi because it's not it's not science fiction in that way at all. It is just a fantasy film set in some kind of space somewhere. So uh, one of the best rules that I ever um, heard uh, by um, an, um, a guy in, in um, the writing community who's written a few um, sci-fi books. I can't remember his name. Um, ben Croshaw, I believe his name is. Um, goes by the name of Yahtzee. Uh, he said, uh, when you're writing sci-fi, normally the rule is, is that you're allowed one thing that doesn't make sense in the universe. Yeah. So, you know, you're allowed for Star Trek... Um, faster than light travel is possible but yeah. everything else in the universe has to make sense within our physics yeah. now it's got to uh, be tangible star should wars, be... yeah so, so 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 star wars just completely breaks that completely yeah. it's like well there's the force but we can also do faster than light hyperspeed travel but you know we can also do massive battles and there's also aliens and so i yeah i think you're right in saying that it's not it's not so much of a sci-fi it's more of it, mm. it's more fantasy than than than, than anything else yeah it, it is because like, like i said the crux of sci-fi is there should be some technological advancements that changes the society so wh whatever realm you want to put that into sort of more close to real life sci-fi or something that is completely further away the idea that one sort of technological advancement changes the world that exists sort of within that sci-fi so if you look at things that are closer to real life you know not too distant future type products like you've got minority report for example and essentially all they've got is slightly better cars and slightly better helicopters but they developed a way to predict murder you know like that's the the real twist that makes it just that little bit further apart you look at the world of blade runner you know like exactly the same as a, a really sort of shitty town that's constantly raining next to a gas works but also there's there's humanoid robots going on <laughs> and we've got cars that hover so it's 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 not too far away, so you, you get into the human aspect of what makes those those products tick. But whereas with Star Wars, like the human aspect is just the characters because everything else is completely up for grabs. So you're going to walk into a bar and you're going to see 17 different species of alien. No one's going to mention that. No one's going to comment on the lizard guy or the guy who basically looks like a hammerhead shark who's smoking something in the corner because this is just the world as it exists. And by doing that, and by not... <clears throat> original trilogy. By not feeling the need to explain itself, <laughs> <clears throat> um, you just kind of get such like, well, this is happening. And you just literally grab old and you go off on that massive ride and you take it as it comes. And, you know, I do think that this is something that does directly relate to video games as well, because, mm. um, you know, we're all we're all there for that ride. Um, and, and, and that's why we play gaming. You know, we want we 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 we, we use gaming as a form of escapism. Uh, whether mm. That's escape to a good story or whether that's that's escaping into good gameplay. Uh, and, and this is something as well that really interests me, because um go while doing research for this uh, for this episode i was looking at um some of the old uh, kind of games that, that that have been released under the star wars um umbrella and there's literally one of everything it's not so oh, God, if, yeah. if you've got like a normal kind of like franchise like halo for example you've got halo mm. one 
which is a shooter. And then you've got Halo 2, which is also a shooter, but with better graphics. And then you've got Halo mm. 3, which is the conclusion of that shooter, but it's still a shooter. But with Star Wars, you've got real-time strategy games, you've got, you've got RPGs, you've got first-person shooters. There's literally one of every single genre, uh, subgenre in gaming. Mm. Um, oh, they've, they, they, they've thought funny. about it, yeah. They've, they've ticked every box. Because like you say, you've got your platform scrollers, you've got your simple... I'm, I'm not doing any of the real flying, but I'm in this machine and I'm pointing my gun at that. Um, and then as, as things developed over time, then you get to sort of take charge of an character to experience something. And then they fully embraced at that time sort of the expanded universe. And so, well, actually, let's try things out where maybe we don't need the characters from the films. Or actually, maybe... Maybe you get to be a trainee Jedi and Luke does a bit of your training, so there's a tenuous link there. Um, or you're a character that previously you might only have heard about in a book or a comic that is quite obscure, but we're going to make this the main protagonist for two quite high-budget games. So that they just embraced the whole size of the potential galaxy and, and just just pick it's just like all of these this source materials like, well let's now make a let's make a game about this particular one let's make one that's just about building the droids you know it's whatever they wanted it to be now you want to be an x-wing pilot sure why not you want to learn to be a jedi yeah also good it's absolutely anything was game for it yeah uh, so um in your so for you then i'm not going to ask you to do like a top five or anything because i think we'll both be here all night trying to think of what our top five Star Wars games are. <laughs> but what are some that, 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 that particularly stand out for you? What are your favourite ones that, that you've you played in the past? Okay. Um, some of the ones that I personally sort of struggled to get into um, or came to late and then by that point it was a bit too clunky to play and stuff like that. So there were, there were a few that were dismissed which people now tell me that they thoroughly enjoyed and I kind of regret that but we move on, don't we? Um, but I do... The arcade machines, they definitely kicked it off. I think the love of gaming came from that. So whether it be that simple line drawing or like I say, when the, eventually when the trilogy game rocked up which I think... Yeah, because that was impressive because you could choose which sort of which film, which planet you were fighting within, and it felt good. And again, even though you weren't fully in control of what you were doing, it's like simulated control, but um, it was it was involving. And then weirdly, and I think this will come as a bit of a curveball. Um, there was the on the N sixty four Star Wars Pod Racer. Now, not not an adventure game, you know, and, and it's, the characters weren't really that important. There was no real storyline attached to it, apart from we knew from the Phantom Menace that pod racers were a thing. And then they just took that, an overly extended Formula One segment in the middle of a really average Star Wars film, and just went, well, actually, we've already been given all the characters because we saw them on the starting line, so we don't really need to invent anymore. You know, be they exploding before they start the race or not, you can just use them. And then it's like, well, we know all of these planets have been mentioned at some point within the Star Wars saga, so let's build a track to race on them. We know that that one's supposed to be cold, so we'll make it icy. 
we've heard this one has water, let's put water on it. Like there was very little thought went into that game, but it was intensely playable. And I think because of the the way it made you sort of feel the controls, like there was an, there was an element of going from car racing games where if you cock up, you crash, but you kind of feel that grip on the road, even though it's a controller, you feel the sense of it, to this kind of, oh, this is in the air, it's floating, and it feels different. And it was involving, and you, you had a sense of speed. So yeah, that's that's one of the ones from the console era that, that, that really clicked, and we used to waste far too much time on that when I was at uni. I mean, there was some valuable lectures, which I'm sure I missed. <laughs> Uh, I remember Pod Racer, and I remember Pod Racer being as good as you've just described. Just be like, but this was supposed to be terrible, but it's brilliant. This is. It, was, it just used to really suck you in, and like you yeah. were convinced you could feel that speed, and you couldn't. But it, yeah, it was acceptable. Um, so yeah, that was that was definitely um, a, a good one that brought me into it. Um, there was the oh, what were they bloody called now? The Rogue Squadron games. Yeah. Um, they were kind of okay. Um, but again, it was, I think, part of the experience there was just that, I'm flying an X-Wing. <laughs> it's just like the, 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 the kind of prestige of what you thought you were doing was better than the actual game. <laughs> um, and again, I was disappointed by um, uh, the Bounty Hunter game when that came out, because it's like, you know, stick Django Fett on the front of it. You think people are going to like it didn't like it couldn't get on with it um but we won't go into the ones i don't like in too much detail um i then now i i stupidly didn't see it through but i tried um knights of the old republic and quite liked knights of the old republic uh, but for whatever reason didn't see it through to completion don't genuinely don't know why can't give a reason just didn't um but i enjoyed what i did within it i don't know if that's a glowing report or not (laughs) (laughs) um i did make myself a little list of the ones that i enjoyed just in case this came up um now i'll upset many people i don't think the original battlefront games are that good (laughs) oh Oh, okay, go on. I'll sum it up in in two words that I had an issue with, and it's a graphics-based issue, mostly, for me, and whether or not I was playing on a bad machine or had a bad copy of the game or it was just wasn't very good or tried to be better than it could handle for the time, possibly. But um, moonwalking stormtroopers. That's what that game reminds me of, because like you'd, you'd go into an area and they'd be like tap dancing or sort of moonwalking across the screen. Like they were basically, they, they just defied physics. And it's something that always like visually sticks in my head of like <laughs> pissing me off. Um, yeah, but fair. then, of course, around the same time, we get the first Lego Star Wars game. And I, I remember getting Lego Star Wars and thinking, how good's it going to be where they've essentially they've tried to capture an entire film in a game but you're playing it through lego characters 
and I believe it was, the, and again, nerds correct me, I believe it was the first Lego console game. Uh, as far as I'm aware, yes. Yeah, don't know. I, um, I, I, I did look this up. I can't see any other, um, yeah. anything else. I'm pretty sure it was, because again, like for, for mutual promotion, genius. Um, but yeah, that was just, it was everything that I used to genuinely love about platform games with, again, characters that are recognisable. The animations like between like the little cutscenes, great. Uh, the choice not to use voices and just use Lego figures looking at each other and going, huh? Mm -hmm. Brilliant. Um, and yeah, it was that kind of a 3D scrolling platformer. You were collecting the coins, you're doing the puzzles, there's a bit of mystery. And it wasn't easy. And I think that's what made that really playable because you kind of go at it thinking, well, this is clearly a child's game. And a few levels in, you're like, why can't I get a fucking thing from up there? What the <laughs> fuck? What the fuck? Do I do? What do you mean I can't do that? What do you, I need another character. Well, I've only got me in this guy. How am I getting another you have to complete it and go back. Oh, and there's that realization that the game didn't end once you played it. You can go back, revisit those levels, and unlock all the new shit as you go through. But it was you know, that was you know, that was a stroke of genius. Yeah, the, the the weirdest thing is going back and playing some of the Lego Star Wars games and realizing, oh, this is a Metroidvania. This is I've got to I've got to progress further to get all the things that I want to get. This is this is Castlevania. But mm. as as a Star Wars game, what the, this is what's what's interesting is that now, now my son's of an age where he can handle a, a console a little bit. Um, we got him a couple of years ago. Uh, we got him the the Star Wars no sorry the Lego Harry Potter games first because um, there was there's a disc where you get both sets of games. So you got the whole film, all of the films to play. Sorry, books, purists. <laughs> um, <laughs> We all know we watch the films. Um, but again, so like playing through that with him and realizing that, oh yeah, that I remember how this works from the Star Wars games actually, because it go here and then of course, yeah, that thing that glows red, you're not gonna be able to do that till later. And it sort of opens up the wider world. Um, and since that, we've got a few more of the Lego games we've gone and, and just again for his birthday, a couple of weeks back, we managed to get hold of a copy of um, Force Awakens. Cause of course on PS4, you can't get the original saga, unless you pay for Pierce now, and I'm not paying for that girl. Um, yeah. Yeah. But like, just even playing through the Force Awakens storyline with him, it's brilliant. It still works. It's it's a really playable game, and it's really involving him. I think, and now he's realising that oh, this isn't just you play to the end and then you put it down. It's like he's played the storyline, did it within about two days. It's like right, you've you've done that now, so. But look, you're on like 17% completion. <laughs> so he's realised now that there's more involved and he's, and he's genuinely plugging through it. So I think that that was a real shift when they brought that out. Yeah, um, what else was good? There was lots, wasn't there? Um, there's so much. Um... Trying to think what was another one that actually worked. Yeah, uh, Force Unleashed. Yes. Again, did like. Um, I know, again, you can get that through PS Now, but I don't want to 
pay extra services, you know, I pay for PS Plus once a year, that's enough. I don't want to pay X amount a month to get downloads of games that are from an, an old console and aren't going to look as good. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Stop it. I'm not <laughs> doing it. Okay, you can't convince me otherwise. Um, so, yeah, th that was decent. And then I think really from that, apart from the occasional sort of game on your mobile phone, which is acceptable, like Star Wars Pinball or something, um, Angry Birds Star Wars, lest we forget. Um, I think then, for me, it was um, uh, Battlefront. Uh, What's that, 2016? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, 2016, um, right. Yeah. Uh, and again liked it but had issues with it you know it, it was good it was a new star wars game and it looked very pretty um but very limited with what you could do yeah very very limited which is why i think when battlefront 2 came out we were so or personally so relieved that there was actually something you know there was a yeah. a campaign mode which people say is too short i still haven't finished it yeah. i'm still stuck i'm still stuck on a pissing level We've got to sneak around and get in a fucking TIE fighter and escape. And can I get to that TIE fighter without being detected? No, no. <laughs> I put that thing down for two years. I put that game down for two years and I started again. I was like, oh, here we go. No, no, I still can't do it. No. Um, but I like it though, and it looks nice and it's playable. And I think the online is better with Battlefront 2. Yeah. Yeah, I you know I agree. Um, some of the, some of the microtransactions in those two games are a bit egregious, uh, but as as a game, again, I think if EA wasn't developing it, it'd be I like brilliant, ten out of ten, you know, brilliant game. I think that's that you, you've got the classic, like you say, the microtransactions, which I I never put money into a game I bought. No. I've paid you the money. That's all you're getting from me. I'm not going to buy anything in the game. I, I will wait until I've earned whatever credits I need or crystals I need to unlock it. Um, I'm not going to throw you any more cash. No, thank you. Um, but yeah, I mean, we managed to have a, uh, an online session with a few of the lads from uni um, about a week and a half ago, and we had a real good laugh again. So like we managed to get on the same team, which is always, you know, <laughs> hit and miss. Um, and yes, we weren't exactly doing very well because there's always some bastard as fucking Yoda that appears out of nowhere yep. spinning <laughs> cartwheeling through the air before you even see the green glow of his saber you did but you know we, we forgive that to a point um but we were just having a laugh rowing around because you're again as we said at the, the start of it you are in star wars for, for that time you are be it rebel or imperial you are within that world you've got an objective to do you're surrounded by a load of teammates and you're running to try and fix it. Now, we might be keeping checkpoint C very safe whilst A is lost because no one got the message. <laughs> but we're doing our thing and we're doing it as well as we can. Yeah, exactly. So I think for me, uh, I've got I've got like three that really kind of um, emanate with me. So my first is Knights of the Old Republic. Um, mm. Just because... Um, Again, it's that kind of diversity with this franchise. So, yes, they've got shooters and stuff like that, and, and they've got kind of like, you know, games where you can drive um, an X-Wing and stuff like that. But, you like, legitimately a, a brilliant RPG. 
And I love mm. RPGs. They're, they're, they're probably my favorite games to, uh, to play. Uh, a really in-depth RPG with wonderful characters, a really rich kind of storyline. And the best thing is, is that they could do whatever they wanted with it because it takes place like a thousand years before the, um, uh, the, the, the movies. Yeah. Which is, which is brilliant. Um, and yeah, I, I've sunk so many hours into uh, Knights of the Old Republic. Uh, and I really wish that they'd bring that, that franchise back. Um, they were going to, though, weren't they? Yeah, this is the it's thing. one of the it's one of the many that that have been. I mean, dare we get into the ones that have been cancelled? Oh God, yeah, yeah, we'd be here all night because there's just, just upsetting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, the second one that I've got is probably one. I'm not sure that if if you've heard about this one or not. It was a really it was a lesser known uh, game released for the PC, um, which was called Star Wars Empire at War. Uh, now, what this was, um, I, I, I got this when I used to have a Mac because uh, it was one of the few games that, we, uh, that, that would work on a Mac. Um, <laughs> and uh, no idea what it, um, like, um, what it was supposed to be or anything like that. Bought it, uh, installed it. Uh, it's a real-time strategy game. So what it is, is you either take command of the Rebels or the Empire and right. you've got to take over the galaxy. That is what you've got to do. So so what you do is you go so like your total war games or your your age of empires games uh you go to a planet and you you've first of all got to take over the space around that planet so you've got to get yourself into a space battle um and then you've got to take over the planet so you've got like a ground assault uh, that happens and then uh like total war games you've got to command the different sets of troops that you've got and stuff and then uh you know push push into uh into the other uh, army and, and, and weaken them. And then once you've got control of the planet, you can use that planet to do something. So you can either have that planet as a, as a, as a military planet, so, it, so it, it, it does more troops, or you can have it as a science planet, so it gives you more points and more kind of like research uh, stuff, so you, can, um, so you can research more fighter crafts and stuff. And then your aim is, is to take over uh, the entire galaxy. And man, I sunk some hours into that game because so, it, it got to the point where I'd taken over all of the known galaxy apart from Corazon. Corazon in the middle was um, left. I'd killed Darth Vader. He's dead. He's gone. Um, oh, you, you, you did that. I did. Yeah. Yeah. You, you I did personally that. did. Okay, fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, this game, you could rewrite the saga. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was exactly it. And the, the you could rewrite the saga. Um, and so the, the final climactic part of this was a climactic showdown on Coruscant, uh, where um, the Emperor was hiding away um, and uh, took over the space and then went into the ground assault with Han Solo, Luke, and Leia. Uh, all leading uh, the uh, the front line, uh, the emperor leading his front line, and this massive kind of ground battle ensues between all of these kind of like these these troops and and, and these heroes and stuff like that. And eventually, the emperor is defeated, and then the credits roll. And I was like, and again, that's my... and again to clarify, you did that, yeah? Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> right. my Star Wars. That's that's my trilogy. Okay? <laughs> it was... Brilliant. Oh god, it it was just so much fun. And then you could go online with that one as well, which was which was good. Um, but yeah, uh, again, just such diversity, like a real-time strategy game as, as, as a Star Wars game. Brilliant. And then, of course, um, my third one is, of course, Battlefront uh, 2, uh, the original mm-hmm. Battlefront 2. Uh, oh, okay, okay. So the only reason why I'm saying the original one, not the one that's, that, uh, that came out a couple of years ago, is because on the original one, you had 
a, um, a mode called Galactic Conquest, which was a little bit like what I've just described, um, where you, you've got a map of the galaxy and it's, uh, you know, you either, choose re um, uh, you either choose rebels or empire, uh, and then your, your goal is to defeat the other ones. And you do that through doing space battles, uh, as they are in Battlefront 2, and then doing ground battles as they are in Battlefront 2. And that was my favorite mode on Battlefront 2. Um, mm. It was brilliant. Um, and I was really excited for, this, for, the, for the latest one because I thought, are they going to bring back Galactic Conquest? Nope. Uh, just your no. standard kind of like story and multiplayer, and that's kind of it, really. Yeah. Uh, which is fine, but I, I just want a game where I can play Galactic Conquest again because it was so fun. <laughs> so, well, have you? See, I haven't done it yet, but again, this is a, a principle of not spending too much money. Have you dipped into Jedi Fallen Order? Not yet. So, I was going to talk about this yeah. one because I've seen some videos. Basically, what it looks like is it looks like Dark Souls, but Star Wars, which is, mm. I'm kind of on board with that. <laughs> See, I, I again, I, I like the look of it. I like the look of the gameplay. I've, as with everything, I've heard mixed reports. Um, but it's something I'm, I, I'm just a skinflint. And I won't pay full price for a game unless I think it's genuinely worth it. And having been bitten, as we previously discussed, yeah. I don't want to shell out the 60 quid. Um, so I think that's one that is on my list to get when it gets to what I believe personally to be an achievable price. Yeah. Because I, I like I like a lot of the idea of it. And again, some people have said they've already got issues with some of the playability and some of the storyline and stuff like that. But I've then told them to shut the fuck up because I don't want to be told any of it before I play it. So I can't really divulge much more, but I'm intrigued by it. I'm willing to give it a go for the right price. Yeah. Well, so this this comes on to, to us rounding out this kind of section now, because I, uh, my, my final question really for you is, what what would you like to see for the future of Star Wars games? So this is, this is a, a, a generation of games, you know, since mm. the, the early 80s, uh, in yeah. every single kind of style that you could possibly imagine. Uh, what would you like to see now? It's tough, isn't it? Because I think it is one of those things where I don't think I'll I don't think I'll get exactly what I want. And I think it's one of those franchises that I'm just going to have to kind of accept that. Because for me, <laughs> I'd like there to be something that's a bit more open world where you can sort of exist within a selected time period within, whether it's within the main saga or whether it's with the Old Republic or whatever. If they pick a, a, a time period within Star Wars to exist in, in which you create your own character, ideally. Um, but to, to, to be really basic about it, I think something that is essentially a cross between the the playability and the open world aspect that you get with something like Grand Theft Auto within the world of Star Wars. So instead of just driving around city to city, you get to fly to different planets and do stuff. And it's one thing that actually, which I haven't even brought up because it was it was cancelled, I've forgotten about it. Um, one thing they did well, believe it or not, with the, the Disney Infinity Star Wars games, which again, we bought that for the kids. One, the models are, are lovely. But you know, there's, there's 
three different Star Wars games to play within that. And again, you can just keep going back and visiting to a certain point. You can still keep unlocking stuff, but you can get to a starport and select which ship you want to fly and you bugger off to the next thing. And you might have a battle in space on the way because you leave that one planet and obviously the Empire is there to sort them out. And then you choose to land somewhere else and you do some shit. And it wouldn't take much really to adultify that concept. But within a, like I say, a specific period where you, you get to be who you want to be and kind of with the, the, the decision-making processes that are in games now. Um, and if you look at certainly like the honor-based system, if you look at again back at Red Dead 2, like if you made certain choices on that journey, would basically give you sort of a light side, dark side for me. So instead of just honor or dishonor, it's like as you make those choices, you go down a certain path and that opens up different options for you. Like it's, it's makeable. It's been done. Like all of this exists. Yeah. Why not transfer it to this to this galaxy? Um, I mean, something like that literally is exactly what I would have probably said for what I want as well. Yeah. Because you talk about the kind of light side and dark side thing. That reminds me very much of um, the same a similar concept existed in Knights of the Old Republic. So yeah, with the, the things that you said and the way that you kind of like handled situations depended on if you've got light side points for it or dark side points. Mm. It's something that's, that's, uh, that's uh, very common in, by the way, games like uh, Mass Effect and Dragon Age and stuff. Um, yeah. Well, so, even like with, with things like Heavy Rain and stuff like that, you know, you, you make certain choices and it opens different doors to you and, and your story might not be the same as what someone else played mm. as a result of that. But that that getting that personalised experience, I think, is the, the biggest thing missing from the Star Wars games now. Yeah, you know, it goes, so, it goes to say something that the more personal game that you can play is to play a Lego-based Star Wars game than it is to actually play these big budget EA games that are coming down where, right, there's a campaign mode, but you are this pilot and you can go online, but we tell you whether you're Empire or Rebel. You don't even get that choice. Yeah. So it's that, the playability of those games, the open world nature of what Rockstar are creating, with the expanded universe of Star Wars, granted it would be the perfect game and everyone else can stop making them and go home, but that's <laughs> yeah. what we want. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I totally agree. I, it's the, the, the issue that I had, so the reason why I didn't pick up Fallen Order when it first came out was because I was really excited about it and then I heard that it was, oh, it's this guy that you're playing as. You don't get to choose what, like who, who you're playing as you don't get to like yeah. customize him or anything like that it has to be this guy and that's that's a problem for me i like games where you can customize who you're playing as i like mm. games who, who you can kind of like you've, you've got that like um like you said that personal aspect that being said uh star wars the old republic does exist it's an mmo rpg uh from uh, from bioware and a lot of what we've just been talking about uh is in that game however the problem is, is that it's in an MMORPG, so you can't do it on your own. Like, so any of the story and stuff like that, you have to group together with a lot of strangers and mm. and complete it as like a group and stuff like that, which is a massive problem for me because I, I don't like to play with people online. I, hate, um, I don't, don't like people. Don't like people, no. Don't like people. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so re refine the old Republic, basically, is, is what I think. And make yeah. it into a, a single-player experience, like like Grand Theft, uh, like Grand Theft Auto. Well, that's it. I mean, like, looks like the, the 
the simplicity of it is, is there. We know that these games can be made. Um, like you say, that the problem with the, well, you are this person, you're playing this campaign, is unless it's a person or a character that you are aware of in advance or actually bother to get involved in, then you don't invest as much into that game. Yeah. So what, what other game makers do is they create a protagonist that you give a shit about. So like Arthur Morgan, for example, like you go on that journey with him, you really get to know him, you really get to make his decisions and you feel a part of that character. And when what happens, happens, we won't give spoilers away for those who are a few years behind, um, but it's pretty obvious. And when <laughs> it's, it's, it's heartbreaking because you've invested that time and that energy to, into crafting a version of that character that suits your decision-making process. So it wouldn't be hard to do that. Like, and there are ways to get around it. Like, again, sort of Grand Theft Online, no one ever uses your character's name when they speak into emissions because that's what keeps it generic, but you're the one doing it. Yeah. So it would work. And no doubt, no doubt everyone would pounce on it. No doubt also people would destroy it. But we're not yeah. going to get onto what I think of Star Wars fandom. <laughs> no. Um, uh, but safe to say, I agree with you that we're um, there. So, I mean, there you have it, really. Uh, that's our thoughts uh, on what should happen. Um, just make Knights of the Old Republic free uh, and make it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, or finish and release 1313, which looked immense. Oh, 1313. Oh, no, don't get me started because I was so excited for that. Uh, and, mm. then, and then LucasArts got bought and disintegrated. Mm. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> from one heartbreak to another, because hey. it is now time uh, for the time that, that, that gamers dread and the time that, that gamers fear. It is time to see how good your knowledge is of the subject that you have been chosen to talk about. It is time for High Score. And today on High Score, we have got Rich joining us to talk to us all about Star Wars games. Now, uh, on the episode just before this one, uh, our friend, the humble gamer, Chris Goldthorne, uh, he got a, a distinctly mediocre score of 5 out of 10. Uh, but that did mean that he tops our leaderboard. So uh, that is your score that you're looking to beat today, Rich. <laughs> so, um, as with what we've been talking about all, all of this podcast, your questions are going to be on Star Wars video games. Right? Shit. So, so, not, so nothing to do with uh, the, uh, the uh, movie franchises, all about Star Wars video games. Okay. So, let's tuck in to a little bit of high score. So, question one. What is the name of the evil Sith villain in Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic. Ah, oh, fuck. Is it Bane? Is that, is that Darth Bane? It's, it's not, I'm afraid. Uh, the name is Darth Malak. Uh, Darth Malak is the guy that you're hunting uh, down. He's Vader, one of Vader's apprentices, isn't he? Well, so, uh, what, uh, um, question two. What is the name of your character who turns out to be his master? Malak's master. Yes, Malak's master. Oh, I've really shit the ball on this one, and I. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Cha-cha, Binks. <laughs> I mean, there's a theory, but no, uh, unfortunately, uh, the, the, uh, the answer is Darth Revan. Uh, Darth Revan is the master of Darth Malak, uh, suffers short-term memory loss, and that is why he can't remember anything uh, throughout the entire in the, the entire course of, of Knights of the Old Republic. See, I told you I didn't finish it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, question three. Name the three types of ships piloted by the Rebels on Star Wars Battlefront. Uh, recent Battlefront. Uh, the original Star Wars Battlefront. Oh, fuck you. Three types um, of rebel ships. <laughs> right, well, there's going to be an X-Wing. Yep. There's most likely going to be a Snowspeeder. Okay. And um, what do they usually throw in? So either A-Wing or Y-Wing. Um, I will tell you, I will help you out a little bit, because this is a bit of an ambiguous question. Uh, these are three types of interstellar ships so ships in space. oh fuck it right so there's a there's going to be a tantive of some sort um rebel blockade runner big triangle <laughs> so as part of the space battles in star wars battlefront you can pilot an a-wing a y-wing and an x-wing uh, I, <laughs> I technically I, said those three you shits, did, you bastard. You did. So I, you know, I might give you, I might give you a, a, a point for that one, actually, because you did say those. Um, so, question four: uh, What is the name of the classic arcade cabinet that allowed you to reenact famous scenes from the original trilogy? <laughs> My childhood or yours is is, is, is the problem, isn't it? <laughs> Because for me, it was just Star Wars the arcade game, but then there was the Star Wars trilogy arcade game. I'm, I'm going to accept that, because <laughs> I, I was thinking Star Wars trilogy arcade, Star Wars arcade game now as well. Very, um, yeah, acceptable. Um, in the question five, uh, the name of the planet that the Huts originate from, which is a key tactical planet in Star Wars Empire at War. <sighs> You know, the annoying thing is, hold on a second, because we've just watched an episode of Clone Wars where they go to this planet. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh... no, no. You think? Just sorry, we've just finished a series of episodes where we've been on Malastare, <laughs> and that's kind of stuck in my head. And I know it's not that. Um, they're not from Tatooine, I know that much. Yes, no, genuinely can't remember. And the answer was Dal Hutter. Oh, of course. Bastard. <laughs> uh, and in Empire at War, Nalhutta is a very strategic planet to take hold of because it is uh, towards the Outer Rim, uh, but gives you a good kind of base uh, to uh, launch attacks uh, towards the centre of the galaxy from. Ooh. So, yes. 
Uh, question six. What was the first Star Wars video game released in 1982 for the Atari 2600? <laughs> that was the Empire Strikes Back. It was indeed. As soon as you said it before, I was like, well, that's my fucking... <laughs> it pays to be older. <laughs> uh, question seven. What is the name of the franchise that allows you to take control of frontline soldiers in massive battles? Depends what it's seven massive. I'm gonna say Battlefront. That is correct. <laughs> Star Wars Battlefront uh, allows you to take control of frontline soldiers. Uh, question eight: uh, This MMO RPG was shut down a few years ago, much to the chagrin of fans. What was its name? Star Wars games that have been shut down, and you want me to find one out <laughs> of that clue? So it was an um, MMO RPG. Well, I, I imagine it would have been the the third Knights of the Republic because that was in in development, wasn't it? It was. So do you mean shut shut down in development or shut down from being available? Shut, so all of the servers were shut down, and you now can no longer play the game because it's got no support whatsoever. Ah, would that still be Knights of the Old Republic two? It would not, I'm afraid. No. Um, the answer was Star Wars Galaxies. Uh, so Galaxies was a precursor to uh, the Old Republic, which came out in 2007, 8, I think. Um, and uh, unfortunately, uh, I think it was a year ago, um, EA announced that they are no longer supporting the servers, which makes the game now literally unplayable. Um, wow. Lasted a long time, though. Fair play to it. It did, yeah, yeah. Uh, question nine: uh, Star Wars Squadrons was announced last week. What uh, what is the other franchise that allows you to fly a fighter with a squadron? Was it the Rogue Squadron franchise? It is indeed. Yes, Star Wars Rogue Squadron and its three sequels uh, allows you to uh, take command uh, in Rogue Squadron and fly uh, an, an array of uh, rebel ships. And question six. Now, uh, question ten. Sorry. Um, now, I'm going to preface this by saying this is standalone Star Wars games. So I'm not counting crossovers. I'm not counting mobile games. I'm not counting any games uh, that were released. Uh, under a different kind of um, thing, so like pinball games and stuff like that. Oh, uh, crap. Okay. And you, you get 10 either way. Um, how many Star Wars games have there been? <laughs> oh, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And I think this is actually to tie the top spot as well. How many Star Wars games have there been since 1982? <laughs> Console, PC, every platform. Yeah, but the, ju just the standalone game. So we're not counting stuff like Lego Star Wars or any crossovers in the Angry Birds universe or anything like that. And we're not counting any of the mobile games. Right, okay. Thirty-five. It's a really good guess. <laughs> However, I'm afraid you are a little bit short. Um, the, the answer was 82. Shitting crikey. <laughs> <laughs> 
there have been 82 standalone Star Wars games um, on consoles Jesus. and PCs. Uh, That's amazing. You can definitely leave here with your head held high because you score four out of 10 in today's high score. I'll accept that. <laughs> so I do believe that you are, you are joint second in the rankings on, uh, on Extra Life here. Rich, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you here talking all things Star Wars with me. If people want to get in touch with you, uh, do you want to throw some socials out there? Uh, I, like a, I like a box social uh, sometimes. Um, good old tea party's nice. Uh, obviously, socially distanced, bring your own sandwiches. Um, but yeah, I exist in the world. And if you search most places for Howlcom, uh, you will probably find me on most platforms, to be honest. <laughs> there you go, yeah. Can't, get, can't say further than that then, really, can you? <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you very much for talking all things Star Wars with me today, Rich. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's been nice to, uh, to chew the cud, as it were, and set the world to rights. Absolutely. So there you have it, all things Star Wars. It's been wonderful to talk to Rich and take a trip down memory lane with him, talking about our favourite Star Wars video games. My thanks as ever to our guest this week, Rich Howell, and his knowledge of the Star Wars universe. And thank you as ever to the music creators who have allowed us to use their work free of charge. Links to their work can be found in the description below. If you've enjoyed this episode of Extra Life, make sure to go back and listen to any previous episodes on the Podbean app. And join us next week where we will be talking to my better half, Samantha Sandilands, for the final episode of Extra Life, where we will be discussing all things board games in this era of social distancing. Until then, my name has been Ben Smith. Thank you for listening to Extra Life, and I will see you sooner rather than later. Take care.